good morning. This is fun and new and we're just gonna see how it goes for me. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. I am so glad you guys are here. We are excited to be outdoors this morning, enjoying this beautiful day that the Lord has made. I hope that you uh, will enjoy this time. I hope it'll be a blessing to gather here together outdoors today. As always, I know there's probably gonna be a lot of distractions going on because that's just the nature of these things when it's not what we're used to. But as always, let's try to take a moment to prepare our hearts for the Lord as we prepare to worship in song this morning. I'm gonna read to you from Psalm 135. Praise the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, Praise him, you servants of the Lord. You who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. Is the Lord good this morning? He is good. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of this beautiful day. I pray, God, that you would meet us here in this space, and we just pray, Lord, that your blessings would fall upon us. Holy Spirit, move among us this morning. God, we are here to lift your name high. Lord, I pray that you would meet us in this place. We love you, and we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. One, two, one, two three, four. Please stand and sing with us this morning. are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. At the trumpet call, lift your voice, it's here of Jubilee, and out of science hill salvation comes. These are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming his flesh. And these are the days of your servant David, rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest, the fields are as white in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord.
remain standing as we enter into a time of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your love that has met us here once again. And God, we are reminded on this beautiful day of your mercies that are new and fresh each morning. And Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here within our reach today that is in need of the fresh new mercies of our loving Lord, I pray, God, that you would just pour out those new mercies over us today. Lord, I pray that you would remind us once again of your goodness, of your love, of your faithfulness that meets us right where we are, Lord. And I pray, God, that it would be sufficient for us today, that it would be exactly what we, your people, need. I pray, Lord, that you would be a God of comfort to those who are mourning this morning, for those who are struggling or having a difficult time. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would comfort us in a way that we can't understand, that we can't describe, but we know, Holy Spirit, that it's your perfect comfort and love. God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word. I pray, Lord, that you would open up our hearts, soften our hearts to hear the word that you would have for us today. Lord, I pray that you would anoint these words, that they would not be my own, but they would be the inspired word of God for us today. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your goodness. We need more of you this morning, God. Would you renew us and fill us once again with your goodness and mercy? Fill us with the truth of your word and help us to live, God, as you have called us to live. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you would remain standing for the reading of the word. Let me grab this one. This morning, we're going to be reading in the book of James, chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 13. Bear with me. (laughs) Should I move over, James? Jim? Is that good? 
All right, James chapter two, verses one through 13. This is the word of the Lord. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin, and you are convicted by the law as law breakers for breaking all of it. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful for mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Several years ago, I found a video on YouTube and it was one of those social experiment videos. Have you ever seen one of those social experiment videos on YouTube where there's somebody in a crowded area, maybe a city, and they're undercover, they're being recorded, and they're performing some kind of social experiment? Well, I was uh, stumbled across this one one day several years ago, and the social experiment was this. There were two men who would navigate the cities, uh, the city streets of New York City hopping, hopping along on crutches. The thing is, one of these men was dressed in a fine suit. He had a nice, well-fitting fitting suit. It fit him perfectly, perfectly tailored. He had beautiful brown loafers that looked perfect. He had a nice haircut, probably just from the day before, and he was holding a leather briefcase. And as he's walking along the streets of New York, he's on crutches and he's struggling along as you, if you've ever had crutches, you might imagine. The other man was what I assumed to be depicted as a homeless man. He was wearing a big baggy coat. He had holes in his pants and along with the crutches that he was walking on, he was carrying a big bucket with a sleeping bag in it in one hand and in the other hand he had a duffel bag or draped on his arm was a duffel bag. And as you can imagine, this would have been very difficult to carry these things with 
crutches along the streets of New York City. But that's what the experiment was. So the two men, they filmed them at different times in different places. And, and as you're watching the video, you see the, the man that's well put together. He's struggling and every now and then he'll fall on these crutches. And there are tons of people that come to help him. They see him struggling and so they rush to his side to kind of help him along. Well, as you can imagine where this is going a little bit later, they show the other man with everything he's trying to carry, hopping along on these crutches, falling often. And I don't think he had to act too hard to fall because it seems like it would have been very challenging. And would you know that the whole time they do this, there was one person that came to his side to help him one person. So you have this man who is seemingly put together and probably has everything from all appearances, who has endless amounts of help to come to his side. And then you have this other man in contrast who probably has nothing, everything he has, he's carrying with him and he gets help from one person. And by the way, that one person that shows up to help him was another homeless man who had been sitting up against a wall had a cup at his feet and belongings all around him. That was the one person that showed up to his side to help him. Now, regardless of how you feel about these social experiments, maybe you don't like them, maybe you don't like the you know, dishonesty that's portrayed there, no matter how you feel about these social experiments or even what you would have done in that situation with either person, what does this video, this social experiment teach us as a society in terms of how we view people just based on their appearance. What does it tell us that this man who might have everything gets more help than the one who has nothing and the only person that shows up to help him is the other guy that's just like him? Possibly the only one that has compassion because he's the only one who understands how hard it is to find someone to help you. Either way, Despite how you might feel, this video, in my opinion, revealed a certain kind of favoritism, a certain kind of bias, and a certain kind of partiality that we see in our culture. What about us? What about you this morning? Think about your own life and your own feelings. What are your biases? What are your partialities? What or who do you tend to favor? Who do you tend to gravitate toward in a social or public setting? What kind of people do you prefer to talk to? What about in our churches? How does this favoritism or this bias or this partiality, how is this seen in our churches? How is it seen on our platforms or who's teaching our classes? How is this depicted in our pastoral staff? I was a part of a church one time who had a perfectly fine candidate apply for the associate pastor position, but he was turned away and his resume wasn't even taken into consideration because on the outside, this guy had tattoos on his arms and some facial irregularities. And I just happened to know this person and there almost would have been no one better for the job, but he was not even seriously considered. And I, nothing was really communicated as to why there were a few comments that were made on the side, but I took away from that. What that communicated to me is we want a certain type of person up here that attracts a certain kind of people because that's really who we want in our presence and in our mix. 
I could give you many more examples, unfortunately. But we ought to acknowledge today that this kind of favoritism, this bias, this does certainly exist, and it does exist within our churches, even if we aren't intentional about that. You've probably noticed by now, we are well into the book of James. We've been here for a few weeks, and as I've mentioned, you have probably noticed by now that James has strong words for the people of God, and this week is no exception. You see, as we read that passage that we just read, James is writing these things to followers of Jesus, and he's under the assumption that these readers know and follow the ways of Jesus, which, just to remind you, are not the normal ways of the world, right? Following Jesus is, makes us countercultural. Jesus' ways are countercultural. But that's who James is speaking to, a group of people who know Jesus' words and who are following Jesus' ways that are countercultural. He says in verse 8, he says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Well, that word law, we might read that word and think, I don't like that. I don't like that word law. But his readers, you have to understand his readers, his audience would have heard that word law and that would have brought specific images to their mind. It would remind them of who God called them to be long, long ago. It would remind them, it would bring to mind images of Moses and Moses standing before Israel. We read in Leviticus 19, standing before Israel saying things like, you are to be holy as the Lord your God is holy. You are to be holy because I am holy. And as a holy or set apart community, this is how you ought to live live. And yes, in regards to the law, we read a lot of things that may not all pertain to us today, but yes, there are a lot of details. There are a lot of commands. There are a lot of do's and don'ts, but all these things are tied to one thing. And that is this, I am the Lord, your God, and this is how you are to live as my people. He says, I am the Lord, your God, and I have spoken those are our powerful, meaningful words. I am the Lord your God. The I am has spoken. This is what it looks like to be a people rooted in my identity. Be holy as I am holy. And guess what? That holiness is not just going to be between you and I. It's not going to be some private, holy thing that's kept personal, but it should be seen in the ways in which you live your life toward others. And then, as you know, as James is saying these things, it probably would have brought to mind the words of Jesus, the words of Jesus that we as, as a church looked at in depth not too long ago over the summer. It would have reminded James's readers and us of that question that Jesus is asked in Luke chapter 10, what is the most important commandment teacher? And by the way, it was an expert of the law who was asking this question and Jesus response included the Shema in Deuteronomy 6 and the words of God in Leviticus 19 because it's both. Jesus said, you have heard it said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You can't have one without the other. In other words, what Jesus was communicating, and you already know this, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but Jesus is communicating, you know all the things, expert of the law, but you don't do 
all of the things. You know the things you're supposed to do, but you, you tend to forget to live that out. These are God's people who have written these words on their hearts. In fact, they literally had them tied in, in paper scrolls around their wrists, so to speak. And yet they, they knew these words, but they had trouble living out these words. I'm glad that we don't have that problem. I'm just glad that that's not an issue for us. And that was a joke. You can laugh. That was, we were kidding. It's the wind. I can't hear you laughing over the wind. But this is a hard word for James' audience, for his readers, and it's probably a hard word for us that you think you know the law so well, and yet you are not following it. You might be failing to follow this law, and if you are, you are in danger of judgment. And he uses this example, you'll notice in that passage, he uses this example of not committing adultery, but committing murder. In other words, James is saying, yeah, sure, some of you have not committed adultery, but you have committed murder, or you're so angry with someone that you're in danger of committing murder. Sin is crouching at your door. And so if you've broken one, you've broken them all because they're all tied together. They all go together. And so church, that the message there for you and I is we don't murder, right? We, we don't murder, maybe we don't commit adultery, but if we are not living out the commands to always love your neighbor as yourself, your neighbor that looks nothing like you, doesn't smell anything like you, looks like their life is a mess and, and they're just, they bring baggage and drama. No, we're to love that neighbor as ourself and if we are failing to follow that command, then the rest is null and void. Because if we've broken one, we may be in danger of breaking them all because they all work together, amen? The message for us today, church, is that it's dangerous for you and I to be partial with the love of Jesus. It's dangerous for you and I to keep this love for ourselves and be partial in who we extend that love and grace and mercy to, but it is for all. And I think Eugene Peterson in his translation of the message, it's particularly convicting for me because he said, haven't you segregated God's children and proved then that you are judges who cannot be trusted? God can't trust you because you have segregated his love based on who you're partial to, based on who looks like you, based on who acts like you and on who lives like you. Are things flying around behind me? I didn't want to look. I was hoping that, that it wouldn't be true, but they are. Friends, if we love God, and if we claim, do we love God? Do we love God? Do we claim to be God's community? Do we claim to be followers of Jesus? If this is true, then this should always be seen in our unbiased, impartial treatment, love, and kindness toward others. Thank you guys. This should be seen and evident in our unbiased, impartial treatment, love, and kindness toward others. And that is including, but not limited to, are you listening? Those who are, as we've already said, don't look like us. Those who don't think like us. Those who don't vote like us, those who might only watch Fox News and those who might only watch CNN, 
your unbiased, impartial love and kindness of Jesus should be shown to those people that watch the news channel that shall not be named. The unbiased, impartial treatment, love and kindness of Jesus that's within us should be extended to those who live on the opposite side of town or in that neighborhood that we don't like to go to. It it should be included and extended to those who rely on supplemental support, whether or not you think they need it or deserve it. It should be included and extended to those who might not dress like us, those who might not groom like us, and those who are not as educated as us. Church, I think that we ought to take an inventory of our hearts and ask ourselves the very hard but honest question. Do I, with my partiality, withhold love and admiration and respect from certain people? Do I, with my partisanship, do I withhold love and admiration and respect from certain people? Do I, with my prejudice, withhold love and admiration and respect from certain people? Do we, with our bias, withhold love and admiration and respect from certain people? Do we, with our discrimination, withhold love and respect and admiration from certain people? To put this into perspective for you, think about it like this. What would it look like for you? Imagine the most adored celebrity or athlete that you, that you admire the most. Who is that most adored celebrity or athlete that you think the world of? What would it look like for you to put that person on the same level or on the same playing field as the man or woman who might be sitting at the intersection right now down the road asking for money? What would it look like for you to put those two on the same level? I'll be honest and transparent with you this morning. It's ugly and I am ashamed of it, but I have not always put those two on the same playing field. I, I haven't been around many celebrities. I haven't been in the presence of many celebrities. I think maybe at concerts is like the closest I've been and that's a concert, you know, there's hundreds and thousands of people around. But I I make no mistake, I will for sure communicate my love and admiration and respect for whoever that celebrity is. And yet at the same time, I can get in my car and leave and not even look the person at the intersection asking for money in the eyes and in the face and see them and acknowledge them as a loved, cherished creation of God Almighty. What if? What if James, or what what if what James is saying puts those who society views as marginalized and unimportant, what if now they are being invited to be put on the same playing field or the same level and have our highest regard? I really appreciated reading that that way of putting it. Uh, Scholar Jean Orhala Sarao, she describes that that's what James is saying. He's leveling the playing field. In this chapter, in this passage, I love how she describes that James is leveling the playing field. It's saying that you ought to show the same kindness, respect, and love and attention for the person standing at the intersection asking for money, even though in your mind you just said, oh, you could just go get a job already. Oh, your life would be so much better if you would just go to work. We've already judged. There's that judgment 
that we cast out so quickly without even thinking about it. But what if what James is saying is that they deserve to be on that same playing field as your favorite celebrity or athlete or whoever you hold the most high regard for? What if what James is saying is that in Christ Jesus, there is no favoritism, there is no partiality, there is no partisan, there is no prejudice, there is no bias, there's no room for discrimination, there's no room for any of these things, for as Paul said, we are one in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? What if it's about recognizing that we all belong to God, the same God who has shown us all mercy. And not just mercy, but mercy when judgment should have had the last and final word. And how easy is it for us at the same time to recognize that and say, oh, praise God, shed a tear. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And yet at the same time, we withhold that mercy, that same mercy, and instead offer judgment based on appearance or our partiality. Friends, if there's gonna be any kind of divide, if there's gonna be any kind of, of levels, the only divide that there should be is the divide between us and God. The divide between myself and God, because do you know that in the presence of God from where I'm standing, I know that God says otherwise, but from where I'm standing in the presence of God, I am that poor, ugly in the eyes of the world person, unworthy person that is not worthy of God's mercy and love. I feel from where I'm standing that in the sight of God, I feel as though I should not be given a seat at the table. I don't deserve a seat at the table. I haven't earned a seat at the table and I'm in no way worthy of that. Do you know that from where I'm standing, that I feel to my core in the presence of God what Isaiah says, woe to me for I am ruined. I am a man or a woman of unclean lips. I'm unworthy, I'm unholy. I can't even be in the same presence with you God Almighty and yet, despite me feeling that way in the presence of God and recognizing that I am the most unworthy, in the midst of my ugliness and my sin, Jesus calls me clean, he calls me whole, he calls me pure, he calls me new, he calls me chosen, he calls me forgiven, he offers me salvation, a new life, and redeemed, and now I'm invited to sit at the table. He offers me a seat at the table. Friends, do we understand that this beauty of the gospel that you and I know so well that it's meant to include all. It's meant and intended for all. Do you know that the beauty of this gospel is that the God of creation, the God of glory, the God of majesty, the one who created us for and with right relationship, a relationship that was traded half-heartedly when we had an appetite for sin and a desire that wasn't God's, and instead of leaving us to drown in that sin and that mess that we created, God, in his loving kindness and mercy, stepped down from heaven, made his dwelling among us, leveled the playing field, if you will, showing us what true love and impartiality looks like, giving up his life for us. 
and in his resurrected glory, doesn't see me unworthy or ugly or not good enough, but instead with his great love looks at me and calls me loved. He says to me, you are loved and there's nothing you can do about it. You might as well accept it. You are loved and you can't change that. So you might as well receive it. That's the beauty of the gospel that causes us to say amen and praise the Lord, but it's the beauty of the gospel that was meant to include all. All are to be invited and welcome to this table because it doesn't stop there. With this gift of new life comes a new heart, one that is only made new by the grace of the Holy Spirit, that by the grace of God looks more and more like Jesus every day and it helps me to see others the way Jesus sees them. I like how scholar Douglas Moo says, James is making a point about the way in which the mercy we show towards others shows our desire to obey the law of the kingdom, are you with me? And indirectly therefore of a heart made right by the work of God's grace. In other words, yes. I am loved, I am chosen, I am forgiven, I am redeemed and made new, but I also have a new purpose. I am now called, called to go, called to do, called to be, and called to love as Christ loved, as he first loved me, withholding this from no one, ever, for any reason. But instead, I am called to work every day you are called to work every day to level the playing field for everyone around you. You are called to work every day to make sure that everyone in your path, however the Spirit directs you to do so, that that person would know that they are invited to the table and that the playing field has been leveled for them so that they can also feel as seen and as loved by God as they actually are seen and loved by Jesus, created by God Almighty for a purpose and filled with his Holy Spirit, giving them presence and comfort, love, joy, and peace. I'm gonna invite the uh, praise team to come back up as we prepare for a time of response. That's what this is. This is a time for us to respond to how the Lord has spoken to us today. And I just wanna say again, church, that if we love God, if we claim to be his community, if we claim to be followers of Jesus, then this must be seen in our unbiased, impartial treatment, love and kindness for all. And I don't know about you, but I feel that James has made it pretty clear that the attitudes and behaviors inspired by favoritism or partiality, that this is sinful for Christians. It's sinful. We ought to acknowledge that, that we are sinning against God when we treat someone differently based on a quick judgment that we've made, whether that's because of their appearance, their attitude, their language, their lives, whatever it may be. So my question for us as we respond, do we need to repent of any of that today? I know I do. Do we need to repent of any of that today? Because in a few moments, we're gonna gather at the table. 
We're gonna gather at the table and receive communion together. But first, I think that we need to search our hearts so that when we come to this table and as we stand before God today, thankful for this gift, thankful for his mercy, that we would stand and come repentant of the ways in which we have withheld from others what Jesus actually wants us to give away freely. So as you prepare to respond, pray with me this morning. Lord Jesus, this word is, is a heavy, hard word for us because whether it's in a video that we've seen or if it's in the way that we've treated someone or if it's in the way we ourselves have been treated, we see how normal and acceptable it is in society to treat someone differently based on how highly regarded they might be. And that even though I don't believe it's our desire to do that, I have to believe that, that followers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, we are given a new heart and we don't intentionally want to treat others in this way. And yet, that's how incredibly easy it is to do so. That we make quick snap judgments. We look at someone and immediately have them figured out. And then we treat them in a particular way based on what that is. But God, you have called us to a higher way of living. You have called us to a different countercultural way of being and doing. And so God, we acknowledge that we fail to do this at times, to level the playing field for all. God, we acknowledge this morning that maybe in our own lives, we have extended judgment when we should have extended mercy and love and grace. So God, I pray that you would make that right in our own hearts this morning. And Lord, I pray that our response would be to surrender once again to the way you have called us to live as a community rooted in the identity of God, who is a God of mercy and love for all. Help us, oh God. Amen. I come in simplicity, longing for purity, to worship you in spirit and truth, only you. Lord, strip it all away. Till only you remain I'm coming back to my first love Only you You're the reason I sing The reason I sing Yes, my heart will sing how I love you. And forever I'll sing forever.
Yes, my heart will sing how I love you. I come with my broken song to you, the perfect one, to worship you in spirit and truth. childlike heart lead me to where you are I'm coming back to my first love only you you're the reason I sing the Yes, my heart will sing how I love you. And forever I'll sing, forever I'll sing. Yes, my heart will sing how I love you. thinking in that song where where they say give me a childlike heart give me a childlike heart and I think about children and their unbiased love that they show to anyone no matter what I just remember when my kids were little that I, I would at times pause and see that through their eyes they did not see anyone as us or them or as any different than they are that I feel like through the eyes of my children, they saw everyone the same with love and admiration and respect as another child who's just a little bit bigger than them, but created and loved by God. And so that is my prayer that we would have or receive a childlike heart. 
that looks at every person as who they are and that is loved, forgiven, redeemed. So Lord, we pray that you would help us. Help us to see others through this childlike lens, seeing them as you have seen them and inviting all of them to our table. We pray this knowing that you will help us. Amen. I wanna give everyone a moment to receive your communion elements. If you did not receive one of these, thank you. Would you slip up your hand and we'll make sure you have one? Does everybody have one? All right. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took his body or he took this bread, this loaf of bread and he held it up to the disciples and he said, this is my body that'll be broken for you. And he would say, when you eat this, remember me. And then he took a cup of, of wine after dinner and he showed it to the disciples and he said, friends, this is my blood that will be poured out for you, that is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And so church, I pray that with a humble, broken heart before God that you would see these elements as Jesus' amazing love for you and that he invites you to his table. And so Lord, we pray that you would bless these elements. We pray, Lord, that we would come empty to this table, but that we would leave full of your love and your spirit to send us out into the world once again. Amen. So church, this is the body of our Lord that was broken for you. Would you take, eat, and be thankful? And this is the blood of the Lord. This represents the blood of the Lord that was shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Would you take and drink and be thankful? And all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, before we dismiss this morning, I just want to invite you. It's a beautiful day, so feel free to stay a few moments longer in fellowship with one another outside this morning as it's a beautiful day. But I just want to remind you of a few quick announcements. And then I have one special thing to note at the end of these announcements. But I want to remind you that next Saturday, October 16th, over in our other parking lot over here, we're gonna be hosting a block party. And that block party is just specifically going to be for the Lake Christine neighbors. So everyone that lives on Lake Christine on this road, that's who this block party is for. And um, I really appreciate that you guys took me so seriously when I said, you know, don't feel obligated to sign up if you're not that big on like talking to people and if you're introverted and you don't really enjoy meeting new people and making conversations, you don't have to come, it'll be fine. And I just appreciate that you all took me seriously because no one has signed up so far. 
And so uh, I just want to remind you that I do need some people to show up. And I know it's helpful if you are a little extroverted and enjoy talking to people. We don't need a lot, but I just want to remind you. I'm just kidding, but I just want to remind you that if you're interested and available next Saturday and you're fine with meeting some neighbors, then feel free to sign up and we're going to have a good time. Uh, Karen and I walked for about two hours the other day, door to door and, and just laying announcement or, or a door hanger on each door, letting them know about the block party. And we've had some respond that they are indeed going to come. And so we don't know how many are going to come. It may just be a few or a handful of people, but we are nonetheless going to be really excited to say, hey, we're your neighbor and we're just happy to know you and meet you tonight. So just keep that in your mind. Uh, weather permitting, we're going to do this crazy thing called church outside again on October 25th. It's gone fairly smoothly. I'm really happy. But we're going to try to do this again on October 25th as long as the weather is going to cooperate with us. I also want to remind you that we'll be having a... a now your bulletin, some of you may have gotten really excited because in your bulletin, I love you Karen, it says rally zone. But it's actually a zone rally. And I hate to tell you that's going to be a lot less exciting than a rally zone where I just picture like race car drivers or some kind of like fast people get, driving fast cars getting together. That's what I think of when I hear a rally zone, but instead it's a zone rally and it's going to be still exciting, but not at all the same. Uh, but that's going to be at Roxana Church of the Nazarene. And if you don't know what that is, uh, we're going to hear from some missionaries and the details of those missionaries is in your bulletin. Um, and if you don't have one of those, make sure you see that. But we're just going to be able to hear from them. They're going to share what God is doing in, their, in the mission field where they are placed. And they're going to share with us just the work of God during these crazy times around the world during the times of COVID. And so um, I think that you'll be blessed if you come. But if you want to come, that's going to be Sunday, October 17th at 6 p.m. at Roxana Church of the Nazarene. Uh, Saturday, October 30th, we're almost done here. Uh, we're going to have a work day just out here on the grounds. We're just going to kind of tidy things up a little bit. It would hopefully be a beautiful day for us to gather and do that. So if you don't have plans, Saturday morning, October 30th, you're invited to come and help us clean up the church grounds just a little bit to uh, get it ready for fall and winter. And finally, the office is going to be closed tomorrow for Columbus Day. Uh, just wanted to make a note of that. And so before we leave this morning, I know that he's not going to like this because I know he doesn't appreciate extra attention. But Aaron, we just want to say, um, as you all know, this is, you may not know, but we announced a few weeks ago that today is going to be Aaron's last day uh, as our worship leader. And he has faithfully done that for our church for a whole year, a little over a year and a week now. Um, and he has done a wonderful job. And we just want to show him as the church how much we've appreciated that. And so, Aaron, we just got you this little card and just a little something from us just so that you know how much we really do appreciate you and thank you. So can we show Aaron our appreciation? But he's not going anywhere. He's still going to be around, and I, I'm hopeful that he's going to give us his expertise in another way. And so, you know, it's not, you know, it's not a goodbye or anything. It's just a thank you. Seriously, thank you very much. Okay. Well, if you all would stand together this morning, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you would go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would share or extend that grace and peace to those around you today and each day this week. Go in his love. You are dismissed. Enjoy this beautiful day.